Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Good evening, listeners, brave navigators of the enigmatic and the concealed. Have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, Paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK Ultra mind control to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded. Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast, where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth. It's another episode of Paranoid American dropping that hot content that you all love to watch. And I'm doing this full time now if you don't know that already. So if you like Paranoid American, if you like the content, join the Patreon, go to the website, buy everything I got, buy 10 of everything I got, give it to everyone you know, get fired from your job, and then do the same thing I'm doing. Uh, and today we've got someone that is doing his own thing, Chris Banta from Romanist Records. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Chris, uh, we're gonna make you feel nice and at home here, and um, nice and uh, yeah, RomanusRecords.com. Chris Banta, he makes uh, Romanus, records. Romanus. Rom- sorry, Romanus. Oh, man- I I probably Indiana it up. It just it's Romanus because I say it is, but I'm sure the there's a what pronunciation put- guide. It's probably the other way. <laughs> what do you put on pancakes? Uh, syrup, butter. Okay, syrup. No, that's it's another dialect thing where some people mm-hmm. say syrup, right? And some people Crown, say syrup. Crowns, crowns. What do you what do you call um uh fizzy drinks? What do you call a coke? Well, you call it a coke. Uh I would I typically I would call it a coke most of the time, but okay. I I'm conscious that I should be calling it a pop or a syrup. All right, that's what I was going for. I thought you're going to yeah. I knew you're going to say pop. <laughs> So yeah, and uh, and we just called them soders. 
Soders is another exempt one. So, Chris, welcome to the show. Please, for anyone that doesn't already know who you are, um, give a quick introduction to yourself, what you do, where people can find you. Uh, yeah, Chris Banna. I run Romanus Records and Romanus Custom Vinyl Manufacturing. Um, I run a DIY DIT record label that I've been around for about almost nine years that focus on independent artists uh, across the U.S. and globe. Um, and then I run Romanus Custom Vinyl Manufacturing, where other bands and labels can hire me to make handmade custom records. And what I mean by that is I make things like liquid-filled records, sand-filled. I've made records with real scorpions in it. I, it's really wild. Check out my Instagram. So I did stuff for Fall Out Boy this year. Did stuff for MXPX. Did stuff for Motley Crue this year. Um, yeah, it's been a wild ride, no doubt about it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to explain. And I've been doing this stuff full time for like four years, and uh, yeah, it's a it's stranger every day. So, so for, for anyone listening, I've got romanusrecords.com pulled up, and I'm just looking at a few of them. So, like for example, there's a maggot filled record. Now, are these? dehydrated i assume they were dead yeah. beforehand uh, yeah so so look those are maggots on a technicality but it sounds better so those are mealworms okay but any but those are larvae they're in their larva state and any larva is technically a maggot uh you know so it just sounds better uh but yeah uh they're gross for sure uh, i'm not trying to become the bug guy um has that started? But, uh, Have you started getting all sorts of people that want like crazy bugs inside their records? Now? I've had a couple. Yeah, the scorpion. I mean, the scorpions was really gross. Um, and look, those things. I didn't go and hunt a bunch of scorpions, or we didn't chase them down. Like there was, they were in some guy's shop. They were uh, like in formaldehyde, um, you know, for thirty years or something. So, uh, but yeah, it's. They they reeked to being in formaldehyde. So, um, yeah, man, it's been a wild ride. But yeah, just look at that. That's so gross, dude. Yeah, so how so, thick is this record that we're looking at here? Uh, at the time, it was the thickest record ever made, and it, but it's playable. There's some technology that had to happen to make that happen, and then after that, that allowed me to make um, more or less the world's first. Obviously, why wouldn't it be? Uh, we made guitar pedal records last year um, that are playable records that are a working guitar pedal. Um, and uh, I think there's actually a picture even in what you were looking at there of them. And it was, it was a pretty big deal. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, they, they play. And one's a the A side is like a delay and the B side's a game. So, uh, yeah. Wait, wait, what do you mean when you say it's a game? A gain, like a gain, oh, a like gain. an overdrive. Okay. It's like an overdrive. It's like, like a, what? It's, it's, a got... fu- it's a fuzz pedal. It's like a lo-fi fuzz pedal. So, and and this one uh, plays on a regular record player as well. I say it'll only play on certain record players. Like you have to have vertical angle tracking, which lifts the tone arm up, and that is absolutely cranked to the max. Like, um, but it will it will play. It'll play the thing. So it's it's a it's a classic. Just kind of trying to push the bounds of what could be you know it's like you know just trying to be as experimental uh within the confines of like it'll still work you know so uh that there's i have a lot of other ideas that are going to come out of that kind of innovation 
shout out to ADD pedals who helped me work with on those ADD pedals. Yeah. They got, they got a top billing right above the, the skinwalker yeah, on the label. Yeah. Right. And how, how many of these were made? Uh, it's like 30 sets, something like that. So is that pretty typical for a run? Like, like scorpions, they also have like about 30. Or? Um, so I think I did. So it all varies. So normally like it's somewhere between 50 and like 400 custom units, Lisa's handmade. And then like on my label, the regular stuff is like splatter records and marble looking records and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, a lot of these handmade customs are between, it's about 50 to 400 is kind of about the high end of stuff. Uh, I did 250 blood filled records for Motley Crue recently, uh, which are not real blood uh, for the record. Goodness gracious. The internet is, uh, it's quite the place. Um, It'll tie in well to this podcast, I'm sure. Um, we're here to expose you. We're just we're throwing the softballs right. first, and then we're going to pounce, and we're sure. gonna, we're going to make sure. you answer to your crime, sir. <laughs> oh ha, have there been? I mean, I I just have to imagine that if you paired up with the right artist, to be like, yeah, 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 we get it. You're using uh, whatever, like corn syrup and and food dye, but we're real and we're hardcore, and we want to use our our own blood in these. Yeah, albums. so I got asked. I think I got asked to put real blood in once and I told him like, look, it's already been done um, before. So I don't think there's a huge benefit. It's not like you're going to get this huge viral moment. Um, And then like I've had, I'm just internet famous enough. If that makes sense that uh, like I've had a couple conspiracy videos, just a couple about like these blood filled records and they're like, Oh my gosh, look, they're putting their rituals in front of us. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> we, we all you know, know. How much blood that, you know, what you fake blood. This is like gallons. Like, you know, it's just stuff you're buying off the internet. Like don't now. I just have to say, we all know this is revelation of the mat of, of the method. It's lesser magic. It means that you get to do all this evil karma free because you put it in front of everyone's face and then you do it. So you got us. Now wow. stop yeah. it. You knock yeah. it off, Chris. Yeah. You knock there's, it off. There's enough so, tinfoil for everybody here. Has there been any other bodily fluids that people wanted to put into records? Has anyone made uh, wanted to make like a urine-filled record? record? So I just put the MAGA record I did for a band on my label, punk band here in Indy that is awesome, called Pat and the Pissers. And we were originally going to put P in a record because that just makes sense. It was on brand. <laughs> uh, and then a band in Australia did it. Um, I've got a kind of mutual internet friend over there who made the records. I was like, Oh, that's out. But no, I'm not trying to, I'm not, <laughs> I'm trying it's, to make cool stuff, but I'm also trying not to like go too weird. Like, you know, I'm you want to be the guy. <laughs> I don't want to be the poop guy. No, sure. Don't. It's sure funny don't. too, because in the back of my mind, I just imagine there's like a space race as to who can create the first piss filled record. And it's like, you that, know, Oh my no, God. That is kind of where I'm just, <laughs> that is kind of the weird world I've been living in basically for like six years is this bizarro like so like the guitar pedal record to me was like, I was like I did it like my creation this is you know this is beyond you know but uh yeah man like that's kind of half the fun there's other there's three or four other people maybe that do similar stuff to what I do out there and they're all awesome and we're always trying to innovate and make cool things and make stuff that stands out and uh you know, I think that's half the fun, like being in kind of this weird world that I'm living in. It's about 
maybe being first and just and just being innovative and making cool art and cool stuff um, more than it is like I I don't know it is a business but you know the business of being cool goes a long way I guess yeah and and the the business has this extra little caveat where like you it's not a great idea to run one that just makes you broke and run out of business immediately so yeah yeah so I mean I business part. Yeah, yeah. So I kept every every weird handmade record I made was proprietary to my label for the first four or so years. But I always knew the move long term was to open a manufacturing arm where other bands and labels could order and have to have me make the stuff. But I wanted to make sure the stuff was strong, performed well, because it's normally at a premium price for that kind of stuff. And I didn't want people to buy it and be like, oh my gosh, this failed, this sucks. You know, there this business sucks. So I waited, which I think was good. And uh, yeah, that I've just never stopped experimenting at first. It feels like it. I've lost track of time. It, the first time I may have tried to make one of these handmade records may have been seven years ago, six years ago. That's kind of a blur. But I'm getting close to a decade of working with records. And it's like a commitment. It's like, are you down to... I always talk to entrepreneur friends that are like, are you down to maybe give up a decade to see where something really goes, you know, to pivot? Cause that's, that may be what it takes. Who knows? So. Yeah. The, the long term, And I'm, I'm curious about how you deal with the compromise between form and function and something that has to do two things. Cause I imagine that once someone's like, yeah, put this full scorpion in the record. Um, and I mean, right out the bat, I'm just thinking like, how do you master for something like that or how like you know does it affect the actual playability and do people that buy these records i mean because of the form and function it should be playable but how many people are buying it to then play it and then complain that it doesn't sound as good as like the non-scorpion version (laughs) yeah i would say uh for me form and function are super tied in but there's like if it if it can't play my barometer is if it can't play like it's, it defeats the purpose. So like everything that I make has to be able to play. And I clean me and my team, we clean and test every single handmade unit we make. And I would say, I would say they play most of them. Maybe there's some of a few early things that like, I'm like, Oh, would have done that different. Um, but I would say in general, 98% of the way they sound just as good, if not better than the plant. Cause when you buy them, when they come from ship from the plant or, a factory or a label or whatever, sometimes there's just dust from the plant and you don't even know it's there. Um, so you may put what is a true brand new record on and it may sound kind of bad. So we're eliminating some of that, but ultimately these are being, you know, handled a lot more than a regular record would. So there's a lot of precautions in the way that we do things and stuff and just trying to, you know, make that form and function, you know, meld together. So. Uh, it, when you mentioned the dust that comes from the factory, there's another one too. And I just, I've got to ask this cause you're like a, a record guy. You must've handled so many records at this point. So there's all these like anti-static devices, right? And the ones that, that I've been like glued to and I'm all in on these things, but like these old retro and they call anti-static guns and you just use it to like shoot the record and it's supposed to shoot like ions or something, but I've seen it work. Cause I could see the little, 
just fall off when I do this. But yeah, some people are like, no, I use the brush. Other people use like like solutions and stuff. Did do you so, have the definitive answer on, on how to do this? Uh, I mean, it all varies. What I tell you, everyone should have a brush and like cleaner. Like everybody should have that if you're playing records, period. Like, um, because you there's particles in the air and where you're living and depending on how things are blocked off or how you store stuff, like you might need to clean it. Just hit it once before you press play. If there's deep dive stuff, the thing that I like the best for like crazy cleaning, it's called Okinoki. I think it's made in like the Netherlands. Um, and it's super hardcore machine. It costs me like 700 bucks. But like you can like scrub into the record, but it's not going to damage it. So I've really like brought some stuff back from the crypt uh, before and uh, been really pleasantly surprised. But in general, uh, man, you should have a brush and cleaning solution all the time, for sure. So, Did you grow up listening and playing records even as a kid, or is it something that you no. got into later in life? No, man, I didn't want a thing to do with music. I am an Indiana boy through and through. I love basketball. Corn. I uh, love, love sports. Yeah, man, of course. Um, and I didn't give two rips about music. I didn't want to be a musician. I didn't want any of that. Um, but like all good things, you know, like it, my stepdad had a guitar and he was, he part around, he was, he was awesome. And he'd be like, Hey, you can play that if you want. I'm like, ah, I'm not going to play that. <laughs> and but then I, he didn't push anything on me and I'd part around with it. And then girl across the cul-de-sac was like, I like your guitar playing, you know? And I'm like, Hey dad, I want to learn how to play guitar. Bam. And, um, that just, started a slow road it always stayed fun i didn't take a whole lot of lessons just lots of lots of guitar tabs in the early internet which is kind of fun to think about and um then i started a band my band started touring uh we were on a five or six different indie labels out of that i learned a bunch had ideas started my own yada 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 so yeah to answer your question like no it was not a big thing like i have two kind of families and one music couldn't have mattered less than the other. Like it was like, oh yeah, my dad, my stepdad like loves classic rock and that's tight. But and my brother and sister play piano and I didn't want to play piano. So like, no, just music was so far from my purview. So for me to be doing music stuff for a living is pretty wild. So when you got into records, was it through wanting to put your own music on records or did it come through a different angle? It I wanna say how did it even start? What did I buy first? That's a great question. I can't, all I can remember, I mean, I think I was just a, a fan of music and then started to get some, you know, classic rock LPs. And then I remember um, Jack White's label, Third Man Records, uh, opened. And I remember just the way it was presented. I was like, oh, that's cool. And it was in Nashville. And at that time, I hadn't been to Nashville a lot. Now, I feel like I'm down there every eight weeks. Um, I went to the grand opening of his, his store and everything. And it was like super cool. I was like, oh, and it, and it was very vinyl centric. And that was pretty new to me. And that helped kind of lead me down that road. And Third Man did all kinds of cool custom stuff. Still do. That was like so inspiring, clearly, to what I do. And out of that, I think just all of those combined forces and then me starting a band made me get into records. And then like, man, wouldn't it be awesome if my band had vinyl? That was such a big moment. Um, 
to get our first, you know, pressed record and stuff. And then it just snowballed. How did the first one come out? Did it, was it like mastered properly and like everything considered? Or do you think uh, back I mean, of like all the mistakes? Uh, it, it came out fine. But like you just do what you know. I will say the industry was different. There's a lot of customer service stuff that's way different. I won't dump on the plant that I worked with then, but it was like you sent the stuff in by mail. Like I sent a CD in by mail with a piece of paper that had dictated all of our potential requests or options that we wanted. And I just waited for a random phone call. No email, just just waited. Mm-hmm. That, that was it. Like then that seems implausible today, you know? Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how it went. So. <laughs> You were touting a, a few different things earlier when you were like, yeah, that was the first record that was uh, also a functional guitar pedal. And I think you also had like the first LED, um, you know, lit up record as well. Do you have any like legitimate Guinness Book World records or is do they consider any I mean, of this for sure Guinness? I, I mean, I'm sure I could if I want, but some of it's like, yeah, well, of course it is. Like, why else would this exist? You know, there's certain things. Um I've heard there's lore. My LED record, there's mild lore around only for the nerdiest of music people that my record may have stopped another important LED record from existing uh, because (laughs) mine was first. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I've just been... You won the space race, yeah. (laughs) I've been nudged in a direction to be aware of that a few times. Um, But... Yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm sure they would, but it would parts of it would just be kind of like superfluous. It'd be like, I did this to be real self-congratulatory towards myself. Great. You know, so um yeah. Uh I'm sure if I wanted to pay whatever it is they charge, I'm sure they'd be happy to take my money and give me a little plaque and paper. Uh but yeah, I'd, otherwise that make a whole lot of sense. So I mean, you, you say like, you know, for what reason, but, but the reason is because I personally think that there's categories in the Guinness book that exist just because someone was like, I want to be the first person that hopped on one foot and put their hand in there, but you're doing stuff that legitimately is being done outside of Guinness. So it has that much more merit to belong in that book more so than whatever idiots doing the, you know, I, I kept left my clothes for seven years. Or I didn't yeah. cut my toenails, right? That's a legitimate yeah, I one. I didn't cut my toenails for a decade, and all of a sudden yeah. they get into the book. Maybe, maybe I'll I'll think about it. You know, I don't know. It's I'm like, sure it's a scheme. You you call them up and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's twenty grand." Yeah, I'm you sure, can be yeah they're you happy want. to take my hundred, two hundred bucks, and you know right. whatever. But yeah, so uh, yeah, we've been lucky enough to get some awards over the year for stuff, and that's validating and everything. But if I'm like user submitting everything, it doesn't feel quite as uh, prestigious. <laughs> Are there any, I mean, I don't want to just have you out all your different space races and all the top secret projects. Are there any like unobtainables that everyone's trying? Like I'll give you an, a, a horrible analogy, but like it wasn't a secret that during, you know, the 1700s or the 1600s, like every alchemist was trying to make gold, right? Um, like it was, or the philosopher's stone or whatever. So it wasn't a secret that everyone wanted to make it, but no one would give their recipes up, but no one could actually do it. And the same with the space race, I guess, like everyone wants to get to the moon in the space race and they just hide their, their, um, I guess the method of getting there. Right. So are there any like space races that you can, 
you know, divulge that are in the record world, like the first Aerojail uh, record or the first I edible mean, the record. LED, or, the LED record felt like it, but it was like in my mind, I like finally figured it out how to do it. And I was like, Oh, I got to get this going. And apparently there was like two other people who had the same idea as me. Cause it wasn't, I'm dead serious. There was, there's one group of people that I think are unnamed. And then another guy that I put my kind of proof of concept, you know, Hey, this is happening out into the world. And he put his up like the same morning. And I'll, I was like, no way. And he saw, he was the, he's a cool guy. And he's just like, Hey, yours is so much cooler than mine. I'm not going to mess with it. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. And that man, that was like five years ago, which is hard to believe, but, um, there, I have a space race in my own mind that I have already activated, I guess, a, a tech that will be unleashed into the, the world soon enough, I guess. So, I'm How much blood to, is going in this one, sir? Yeah, sure. I'm just trying to make sure I don't wait too long. Uh, but I don't love doing proof of concept either because it's just then you're like, all right, here's all this. Get hyped. And there's nothing. There's no point of sale. There's nothing to be like. There's no action to be taken other than like this exists. So, um, yeah, stay tuned, I guess. So. Yeah, it's a great point. Like you, you can just waste all that hype on, and here's a video of a th- record that doesn't actually play, but you get the idea. And then when you actually drop the real thing, it, yeah, some of that hype is worn off, I assume. Yeah, totally. So is that, is that something that you've learned? Oh, like, cause it, it sounds so common sense, but I didn't learn that until way late in the game that, you know, if you hype something and announce it, at that announcement should be at the very least a pre-order or a sign up or something like don't just drop a picture and get a bunch of likes and then you know what then you know like you have to do the then then i think there's there's two ways it all just i think it depends the way i run things on my label and it's been successful up to this point every release i'm like oh i hope this works out i always like uh, four to six weeks out try to drop like you know, the mock-up, the image of what everything's going to look like, what it's going to be. And, uh, you know, it's like, hey, four to six weeks at this time, blah, 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 it's going on sale. Um, instead of like, pre-orders open now. And I think there's there's merits to both. The reason I do it that way is because someone may not see that first post. All right? And if I'm going to be hammering mostly just this one product or this one thing for the next four to six weeks, it's just more likely to build the hype, get people ready and be like, all right, you know, on this day, if you want this thing, you need to be on your computer, on your phone, whatever, ready to get this thing. Um, But there's also, but that also, that's how I run my label. It's a little different on the manufacturing side where I've been lucky enough to work with some of these bands that are huge. You know, and so they don't need to do that. Like they're so big. Like when I did the tear filled record for Fallout Boy that had the real tears in it, they didn't need to give you much of a lead up. They might tease something, but it's just like, oh, it's live, you know, uh, because they're so big that like, you know, people might be ripping their arms off to get to these things. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how that works. What movie did they watch to generate all the tears? Was it My Girl? Was it Dumbo? <laughs> <laughs> I know I did. I, you roll in your eyes because I know this is like the most common question when in that record. Yeah, yeah. Comes no, up, well, I, <laughs> I will tell you. I mean, it's real. Like, if you're wondering, did they send me some of their tears? Yes, they sent me some of their tears. It wasn't enough to fill 50 records, uh, but I diluted it across 
the whole thing. And with your tears? No, no. Okay. I mixed it in with other stuff. Um, but they, uh, I mean, they did a video of them like collecting their tears and I was like, Oh, okay. You know, I'm still like, is that real? And then at the end of this video, there's a package that's like getting shipped out. And I'm like, Oh, that's in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and the bad part is the vial that had the tears in it. I lost it. It's in here somewhere. Some collector would die to have that. And it's in here somewhere. I dropped it on the floor. I you want to clone your own album? <laughs> yeah, it's in the abyss here somewhere, but it 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 exists. It's around here, but uh, yeah, I wish I knew where it was now. <laughs> Strangely enough, so it was are just there any brain that, and then have that little have that vial in there, you know. So, are there any materials that like failed in catastrophic ways? Like I'm like um, let's yeah. just say you put like you know popcorn kernels in a record and pressed it, would it pop? And like you know stuff like that where you didn't oh, expect things to happen. Uh, I, not I, not that I can think of, but there's just been lots of failures on my end of just how to make these things, how to innovate, how, what to do, what processes do and don't work. And, um, you know, the balance with everything is it either has to be thematic, has to be really artistically cool looking, um, you know, or just be weird and so out there that it grabs your attention. But I'm always telling bands sometimes that are approaching me. This is always my favorite example. Uh, where they they're like, oh, if we could just press anything in a record, that's cool. And I'm like, eh, like, and I've always been two or three bands have asked me, will you put hair or hair in a record? And I'm like, that's what you done. pay. Would you pay eighty to one hundred and fifty dollars for a record filled with hair? Would that make you want that more? And they're like, no. I'm like, all right. So, you know, think this through. Think, you know, why? What's the why? What are we doing it? What are we looking for? And like, look, art well, and crazy and exotic, like abstract art, cool. That will always sell because it looks cool. Um, but as far as like insertion records, me putting stuff in them, uh, we tried, I try to help people have a reason or be thematic. Or if it's just shock value, shock value is fine too. So. Have there been any like hard nose where someone like starts explaining your idea and you're just like, nope. <laughs> um, yeah, I've said no to some things and I don't want to, out any of these people uh sometimes it's for various reasons obviously on my label i have real strong control over whatever you know i do whatever comes out and what i release on the manufacturing side um it's very important to me to uh live with as much as integrity as i can as like corny as that sounds so like my my thought process has been if you live with integrity you won't live with regret or at least less regret and so i've been there's been projects like I had someone ask me to put real ashes in a record uh, once. Um, and I was like, I'll do it. But what's like, what was the why? Like, you know, is this uh, like a family member? Does it mean a lot? You know, and turns out there's someplace in India where a lot of people spread their ashes in some sort of like ritualistic kind of thing over there. It's just part of the tradition, like tradition. And they were like, oh, we're just able to grab a bunch from here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't want to. That's jacked up. Like, and I said no because it's like, it, you know, and of course it's some metal band. And I'm like, you know, if that if I sprinkled, you know, my dad, my, you know, mom, whoever at one of these places, I wouldn't want some goober coming up here and getting a big scoop and sending it to me. And you know, you're like, oh man, I think Grandpa ended up in a record. I don't know. You know, like that. That that's you don't want cool. you want Grandpa to be jamming out for eternity. 
no, that's not cool. Not, not unless it was grandpa's final wish or something, man. So like, <laughs> you know, that's some stuff like that. Like I'm really, I try to, you know, be aware of like the person I'm presenting and being, being more than presenting and, uh, my business reflects me. So I just try to be smart about any of that stuff. Cause sometimes bands will have crazy ideas and I'm like, yo, that's not cool. <laughs> like that's not okay. So yeah. Has there, has there, well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get so specific that you're like outing anyone, but I assume you've gotten like unreasonable request. Like has anyone like, you know, put this, you know, I got some acid, put this acid in the record or put this, you know, put a joint in the record. Yeah. I mean, everyone wanted to do a weed record for years and I got asked to mm-hmm. do it. Um, and I was like, look, it just wasn't possible because of legalities. But then it became legal in a few states. I got asked to do it somewhere. And then there were still some legal issues because I live in Indiana uh, with time. And then Space Race, this uh, Third Man Records did for Sleep, the band Sleep. They did a weed build record that like a leaf is pressed in. looks awesome. Uh, I just got one the other day because I've been wanting one. And I... Not only do I enjoy making all this cool, crazy stuff, I like collecting it too. Like I'm a collector. I enjoy seeing what other people are making and what other crazy innovations out there exist. Like I like it as much as the next guy. Like I think it's cool. So um, yeah, that would be a good space race one would be the first weed filled record, I guess. But yeah. So are there any other sort of titans of the industry that that you want to give a shout out? Like I found you almost. Yeah. I mean, uh, my foray was probably through wax mage. Like that's the the name that I knew. And that was like the, the gateway drug for me. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. The, I mean, the people I always like kind of think of like the guy, uh, Matt Ort, who runs uh plastic cat deviations. He's probably like, uh, my favorite liquid filled maker. I think his liquids look cooler than mine. Um, and, uh, but there's always this, we all are curious how well everything will hold up long term. You know, all my my day one record that is how I make all of my liquids now. It's going to be six years old uh, in in May. It's like I have a birthday for it every year, and it's it's looking good. It's holding strong. So I'm like, all right, man, makes me feel good. Uh, but yeah, Matt Ort, uh, he's awesome. Plastic Cat Deviations, uh, uh, Heath with Wax Mage, I think is probably the most innovative press operator maybe in the world. Um, there's a bunch of unnamed crazy press operators at CZ that we'll never know who they are, but like CZ has so much good stuff. Um, new cosmos is doing some cool things. Um, man, I know I'm forgetting somebody and they're going to be like this dork, uh, doesn't respect. It's one of those rough questions, right? Where it's like, Oh, you uh, didn't mention, yeah, you know, yeah, Aunt Sally and now she's mad. Those are like the, yeah, those are the first people that initially come to mind. There's a guy in Germany doing some cool stuff. Um, there's, yeah. Um, those are the first people that kind of come to mind um, that, you know, I'm immediately think of. Um, and then there's, there's guys who do like incredible packaging. Like the packaging is so good. Like, uh, and innovative. Um, what? Right. There's something I just got for Aesop Rock where the jacket, uh, is like themed and lights up. It essentially works like what seems like a giant expensive greeting card, but for a jacket, but it's super rad. I, man, this is going to make for a bad podcast. Um, where is this thing? I've got it. And you could just react to it. Oh my gosh. I just saw it. I'll pull up uh, an image of it too here. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
It is. Oh my gosh, the guy who helped make this happen. His name's Dope Stallion on Instagram. I wish I remembered his name. I feel bad. So it looks like this. Um, and this is what I'm saying. I'm a collector. Like, I think this is awesome. And you press down here. There it goes. That's crazy. And so everything lights up and it's themed. This little plays a song. This ship, you know, is like blasting off. Um, yeah, pretty incredible. Um, That's awesome. The whole logo lights up. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and there's C-Alt, S-E-A-L-T. Uh, I think it's C-Alt Records or just C-Alt on Instagram. He's overseas. He makes, I think, the best looking box stuff on the planet. It's awesome. He makes his woodworking is incredible. I've always loved what he does. So, uh, and then uh, Joyful Noise, which is a label here in Indiana. Uh, they do some really epic lathe cut stuff uh, with people in a position to know. And uh, yeah, those are all the really epic, innovative people I can think of off the top of my brain that are, and we're all operating kind of various different spaces within this record world. So, is there any coordination or overlap whatsoever between turntable makers and record makers, or are these just completely different industries that are like different alien industries? From each other? I've been approached by a couple turntable companies. Uh, I've had a man, I had one that would just give me some pretty crazy phone calls um, where they wanted to partner up on some stuff, and then this those calls went dead. And you learn in the record industry that's how a lot of stuff goes. Sometimes it's just like man, we're going to do this and this and this and this. And then just nothing, just hear nothing. And then sometimes it's like three months later, Hey man, we're sending these to you. They're on their way. And you're like, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, hasn't yet, but I'm ready for it to happen. So I'm ready for a Romanus theme turntable, even if it's like 20 units, I just want, I would love for it to exist. So and what are we talking about here? Like, uh, like liquid filled, um you know neon know. lights and who, just anything and yeah. everything yeah i don't know uh i would think specs first i would it, you know it'd be something like the audio technica lp120 or technics 1200 something that i know is super strong vertical angle tracking adjustment and then just uh yeah maybe like it's totally clear the guts are clear and then i've got some stuff in there who knows who knows so yeah, my mind goes right for like '90s action figures, so which was like clear and goo filled and like neon yeah. and yeah, yeah, man, yeah. It was yeah. the the '90s were a very gooey time. <laughs> <laughs> um, how how does someone? You just mentioned that, for example, um, Romanus Records. You announced a few weeks ahead of time. Hey, at this date and at this time, this thing will be available. Um, and I've tried to get my hands on some of those. And I swear, like I'm, I'm on the other side of that spectrum where like I set the alarm and like, I know it's on Friday and then I'll like look and be like, Oh my God, it's, you know, 1102 and it's gone. You know what I mean? Especially if there was like 30 or something. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot, here's what I'll tell you. So, Oh my gosh, that's like right now. So this is a perfect example. Um, I have, a sale that goes live here in the next, uh, like, I don't know, what would you say, 15 minutes for a band, but it's like part of my Coliseum members program, which means you get 24 hour early access, uh, and you get 20% off and it's five bucks a month. So it's no big deal. So that helps a lot of people when they're trying to get some of this, you know, really crazy stuff 
Um, but then on the other side, the manufacturing, I don't have any control over that. You know, that's whenever they just say it's live, it, it exists. Um, so that's just kind of how all that shakes out. Um, yeah, you just got to be ready, I guess. But even our, all of our regular stuff, our splatters, I feel like are widely pretty accessible and stuff. And, uh, but sometimes people are even surprised how quick some of those go out. Um, and it's because bands that I like to work with are touring really hard and they're chasing the dream. So it's like, Hey, that was readily available two weeks ago. And then the bands just sold 80 units on the road. So they're gone, you know? So. Have you found a, a lot of people that collect the records just for the art and don't even care about what music is on it? Um, I would say it could go both ways. Like, uh, I think it's, um, some do, uh, and some, some don't like, I think it's, and the reality is all of that's good. That's the thing. It's all of that's good. It's not a problem. Um, if somebody just collects it for the art, I'm like, cool, that, that band still makes money off of that just the same. Um, and that's not a problem. And I'll, there's people, this is kind of more where I am. A lot of collector pieces or something or art pieces. Um, I would be buying them, you know, not as my listening copy. I'll buy a splatter. I'll buy a tricolor or whatever as my listening copy. It's, you know, it doesn't cost that much money uh, in comparison. I'll just like, oh, I'll just buy that, you know, to listen to. And I'll store the other one and look at it and be like, man, this is so cool. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, that would be my thought. Um, but yeah, I know it happens and that's fun. All right. One last technical. And then I want to start asking you about some conspiracies. Sure. Um, so the liquid filled records, you mentioned that you've got your, your birthday record, I'll call it. And you pull it out and you're like, you're six years old today. Congrats. And you, I assume you're just making sure that there's no leaks and nothing dried up and like, there's no weird anomalies. What, what's the, the chance of a liquid filled record leaking? Cause I, I know that some places had yeah. like a refill service and you could just send it back in. They'd refill it. They'd seal it. Uh, but it almost seems like some people that buy these might not expect it to ever leak. And then they do. Yeah. Um, so the great question that, that is, that's one of the great questions of life here, buddy. Um, I think a lot of it is we don't, there's a, a level to it. We don't know. It's in a, like the very, very first liquid filled was made in 2012. And then after that, the, you know, there really wasn't a mass sale one till like 16, 17. So like, it's just, people don't, we just don't know, man. Like, um, like I said, my, the way I'm doing them, they're kind of like on year six, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I'm pretty proud of that, but it's, it's kind of the great unknown. Um, ours are designed to be able to be refilled. I'll tell you, it is a pain in the butt to do, uh, but they can be. So, yeah, everything else I make that's dry, I'm like, oh, these are bricks. I feel great, you know. But uh, man, it is still a little scary, no doubt. <laughs> so about every time it. you wow. send a liquid filled record out, you're just wondering, like, am I going to have to see this guy again and like fix it? Or <laughs> uh, in general, no, I feel pretty strong. I mean, I, I'm I've made the biggest, I think, liquid filled runs on Earth. I think I've made at this point, I've definitely made more of them than anybody. Um, but you know, it, there's still a level. For me, it's more not now. It's like, what will happen in five to 10 years kind of thing. So um, that's the great question, I guess. So, Okay, let's let's talk a little conspiracy here. We'll, we'll start out light. So cla you mentioned classic rock and that maybe being like one of your entry points in here. So there's so much conspiracy theories when it comes to classic rock uh, and specifically like CIA and government control and stuff. So right of off the bat, 
backwards messages do you give them any credit do you think it's silly when it comes up do you think that uh anyone's ever tried to do it uh if they've tried to do it, it's only been after the fact that like the world has, you know, been like, Oh, I heard John Lennon say this at me. I promise, you know? Um, I mean, I've definitely watched a little documentary on, you know, on the Beatles and all that stuff. Cause it's all good fun and conjecture, but I don't think it's, if it's been done now, it's only been done intentionally after the fact, like, no, it's too much of a pain in the butt. I don't know how you would ever, creatively write a song and then know like that sounds like this backwards you know it's just it's not reality it's like it's another plane of existence so do you think if someone were able to successfully write the lyrics so that it could be played backwards and you could hear all that messages clearly and you didn't have to like squint or you know know what you were listening for do you think that would actually do anything i don't think so it's like well yeah other than it would be cool the only way it would be super cool is if you like you can make, you know, a uh, an entire, uh, you know, make a record that's like a whole nother record because it plays backwards or something, you know, um, that would be that to me would be cool. Otherwise, you know, if it was if it had a secret message, maybe that like uh, led you to, you know, um, like a secret website link. Or something, you know, to order something, you know, cool. That might that might be cool. But otherwise, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure this is, this might be a technical question. Getting outside of a conspiracy for just a, a second, because this, this reminded me that in like the early 2000s, maybe late 2000s, um, there were some bands that would encode. I think Nine Inch Nails might have been one of them, but they would encode like pictures in like the spectrograph if you were to load up the digital track and you could see like a cat or you could see someone like spell Dude, something cool. out that's super cool that's super have you have you ever seen any of those before i have not that sounds awesome i know there's like stuff like that out there like uh what were those the i don't know what you would call it but you would stare at it long enough like these designs it's very cool oh, the, the magic eye things yeah stuff like that yeah like i know that exists out there um but yeah anything like that i think is cool like you're you're adding another element of art and engagement like it's a way to engage with the art with the product with the band uh you know in a different way and i think that you know any of that's cool like that's worth doing so that would be my thought what are your thoughts on the 27 club which is another music related conspiracy yeah yeah uh Man, I think what it meant to be 27, primarily in the 60s and 70s, is very different than what it meant to be now. And so I think uh, any potential conspiracies around it is just like, look, man, we were we were in the free love era for a lot of these 27 club people in general. Uh, you know, there's not people per point, I guess, to Kurt, but that's like 90, what, two, three, something like that. Uh and then most everybody else is like 67s, you know? So it's like, um, I think it was just the responsibilities of being a 27 year old were very different than what we expect it to be now, I guess. So no, no, no tinfoil here on that one either, man. <laughs> so I've heard a rational version of this one that doesn't involve like sacrifice and dark rooms, but that 
in the in the period that you're talking about, Summer of Love, but a lot of the record labels and a lot of the bands were basically fronted by like mafia and gangsters and seedy mm-hmm. characters. And in some of those cases, and this is all conjecture. This is the conspiracy theory, okay? Yeah, it, but sure. that some of these gangsters were were essentially like the ones running the bands, providing them all of their initial money, kind of like loan sharks. And then they realized that if this guy now is like competing and he wants to claim rights to the music that he wrote and played, then he might have a standing. But if that guy, you know, uh, a, a plane blows up or, you know, some other unfortunate sequence of events happens. Now there's no dispute, especially if there's not like a trust or, mm-hmm. or like an estate to fight it. And now that guy gets to control all the money and get the, um, backs and can release all the songs that the artist maybe didn't want to release for merit reasons and yada, yada, yada. Well, I tell you, I mean, the Hendrix family uh, is very protective about what they allowed to be released and put out and everything else. So like, I don't know, that kind of pokes some holes in that. I don't know. Like they're, they're real stingy about what goes out, what's allowed, what's approved. I mean, you can't, if you go to YouTube, like, and you're just like, I just want to listen to like certain Hendrix songs, like for years just every piece of like there's there used to be so much cool Hendrix live performances and things like that. And they've all been scrubbed off the net. Like they're just, they're not on there anymore on YouTube because the Hendrix family pulled them off. It's their right. You know? So like, uh, I don't know that that would be one. I'm like, eh, maybe, you know, I guess that would be, that would give some thought, but yeah, I'm not. As- I, f- I feel like we could sway you if, if we had like a whole episode of just the vote, I think I could, I could at least get you to dip your toe in the the deep end. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Because there have been some very specific rock bands that came out and said that they were essentially being forced to play under coercion under these, like, you know, gangster-style guys. Uh, I don't, I don't have not, them offhand, but... Yeah, I'm not going to say that there hasn't ever been dirty funding in the music industry and stuff, but, like, that also... The idea, of then, that you would, like, eliminate your, you know, whoever's <laughs> on your label wouldn't make a lot of sense like that's your that's your meal cow all right like you know a lot of these artists like long term you would have made way more with them as a legacy right act but you, you also might need to make an example right you might need to be like hey i don't what? care look, look what i the, did the <laughs> example of what like crosses so all the other artists dumb. that might, that we're might gonna wanna... make even less money that's dumb <laughs> yeah. that's that's so dumb all right look at all these people now that are selling their you know they're selling the rights to all of their music, like Bob Dylan, all this stuff. The, they're making more money, you know, than Solomon. Like, it would have served them a lot better just to stick around. Then, you know, so that's why I think that. Well, you're thinking some, with your your business head and not your conspiracy head. How how dare you? <laughs> and I think what that's about great, uh, that's, that's the greatest conspiracy of all. It's like that's why you do stuff is to it would be <laughs> to make money to. Have, and the ba- the best way to exert control is through finances, like is to be able to to hold power and sway over someone financially. So, like, uh, if that was the case with the Twenty Seven Club and it's some nefarious forces, then then they're all really bad businessmen, you know. So, uh, do you give any yeah. credit to the the connections between, say, like Jim Morrison and his dad um, was you know a military commander, and Frank Zappa's dad was military intelligence, and um, many. I mean, I I shouldn't go through an exhaustive list, but there's like a general broad concept that there's like all of these counterculture icons of the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s that were really sort of plants from, um, you know, governments. Did, have you ever heard any of these? Do you, have you ever give credit? Do you roll your eyes whenever it comes up? I mean, 
industry plants have been a discussion forever, and I think industry plants can exist, but I don't think Frank Zappa's music was inherently like counterculture. Like he was, you know, kind of anti-war. So like, why in the world would they want to then be like, yeah, this is the guy who's going to secretly be pro-militization, even though all his music's kind of anti-war. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Uh, so I, I can break some of the logic down in conspiracy <laughs> terms because and, and not that it has to make sense. This is just the way that it is explained. Great. But yeah, the concept of uh, what, what someone call like a Hegelian dialect. And it essentially means that if you've got if you've got an end result you want to work towards and you already mm-hmm. know what the resistance will be, if you can first start the resistance movements on your own and have control over it then you can introduce the thing that they're going to resist. And now you get to play with, you know, playing yourself at chess. Almost you get to play the white and the black pieces. I'm not, I'm not saying that this explains everything, but that is, that is the logic about um, these like plants. I guess my, my thought with a lot of that stuff in general, I mean, why am I on here? Uh, Would be that like Americans in general, I think this is kind of baked in like, Part of what makes America great and sometimes like part to its own detriment is like individualism over here is like celebrated in some ways more than anywhere on earth, or at least you're given a chance. It's the I'm not going to act like systemic issues don't exist and that there are unjust and unjust reasons that people have a harder time being successful. But the, the very loose idea of the American dream is that you can do this and have your individual thoughts and pursue these things. Um and so I hear all that and I think like, man, exercising that much control over people, I think it's going to be difficult. It's the same reason why, you know, you see people like they're all coming to get our guns. And I'm like, America's the most armed, you know, country in the world. Like they're no one's just going to give up their stuff. Like, don't be ridiculous. Like, that's just not how the world works. You know, at least here. I don't know. Th- those are my thoughts, I guess, non-music related. So. Do you think that there's any truth to like music having an impact on what, you know, what you might see Tipper Gore saying, like, you know, it's destroying society and it's eroding family values and all of the things, right? Music is quite often a scapegoat for sorts of problems in the media. Same with video games and movies. Do you think there's any merit to that? Uh, That like music can... Do you think could music affect, could take your your great little Johnny Two Shoes that like glimmered his eye, never did anything wrong? And he comes back and he's them. doing the heroin and he's like kicked the uh, dog. I, I would say like, look, I think music could be two uh, percent. It's just part of the sauce of life. It's juice. Like music affects moods. Like you know, we know that, but that doesn't hearing a, a sick breakdown doesn't make me want to you know punch a hole in my wall. Like. um so I think it's, I guess whatever you, the idea, it sounds like I'm such an old man, whatever you put in, you know, like you're more likely to have some of that come out. But at the same time, you know, like I listen to a lot of heavy music, but I'd like to think I'm a pretty happy, chill guy. And, you know, whenever I hear a really awesome, brutal breakdown, uh, it makes me have like a good stank face. Uh, I don't get angry about it. I'm like, oh yeah, this is sick. It makes me happy. It doesn't make me angry. Um, so, you know, but music, music has been like a, a, a mouthpiece for ages to communicate a message. Uh, I mean, it was so important in the counterculture movement in the 60s in America. You know, it was the megaphone. 
for how a lot of the youth were feeling about Vietnam and other things and the just ultra militarization of the world at that time as it was becoming this more new thing. Um, and so I don't, I don't think it would ever as a, I don't think it could ever be the crux that points somebody in that direction. Like you've got mental health issues far beyond if you're, I don't know, I don't even want to say them, but like committing some dastardly deeds against, you know, society. Like you're just, yeah, you're probably a huge piece of crap, you know, far before you heard a seven string guitar and drop tuning. Uh, you're like, that's what did it is that drop tuning. And, you know, that combo I learned in Tekken that pushed me over the edge, you know, it was, it was that ride to lightning. That was what put me over the edge. Yeah. 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 If I wouldn't have been so good with Eddie Gordo, you know, back in 07, I wouldn't have turned out this way, you know? So. Are yeah, there any, my- I mean, the, you can just say no. Um, I won't believe you, but you can say no because you run like a, a record label and you make records for other people and stuff. Are there any genres that you just can't take like opera or, I don't know, children's tunes or, or are you just like, I listen to everything literally. Well, you can listen to everything, but there's like, enjoy is a whole nother thing. And then I, the older I've gotten, I've been able to appreciate things more um, as a, Hey, that perfect example. There's a lot of pop music that I don't always love, but there's some pop stuff I really like, but I understand making my opinions on a pop song when I was younger would have been like, Oh, this is easy. Like anybody can do this. Now I'm older. I'm like, no, this is hard. Crafting a good pop song, a true earworm is hard because if it was easy, everybody would do it because the ramifications are so great. Like of like, if you can truly have a crossover hit is it's next level. Um, so I guess I can appreciate everything, but I don't have to enjoy it. So I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to put out an opera record, you know, next week or anything like that. I am going to put out a piano record next year, which is totally different for me, but I'm doing it mostly for the art, like the art of what the custom will be. So it just has a really good theme. Makes sense. So, so, so maybe you can help uh, convince me here or dispel some of my own bias that might be misinformed. Like I love vinyl. (laughs) Um, I'm, and I'm not a purist between like digital and analog and no, all me that. Either. Like, me either, man. I'm not I, I love them all. both. But there's one weird thing. How am I going thing... to cover this new band? Not on vinyl. <laughs> all right. Like, I right. would literally have to go. People don't spend money ironically, at least not that much. I would have to go into a store, which are far more limited now, and just shuffle through and be like, this album art's cool. And I'm going to spend 25 to $30 on this. Like, in this economy, come on. Like, you know, so yeah, go ahead. Well, you're, you're, you're bringing that right where I was going. So, so one of these areas that I just, I don't understand it in my mind and maybe you're the one that could convince me or point me, but video game albums, like I love the video game. I love vinyl. I love the combination of the two, but something about taking music that was stored on an eight bit cartridge um, and then transposing that over to vinyl, it almost feels like there's there's nothing like I understand the arguments when something gets recorded and put the vinyl and it gets mixed in a certain way. Um, but maybe when it's like eight bit and 16 bit video game music, am I am I missing some extra nuance that's like, dude, you're missing out. There's this extra layer to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I'll point it out to you. Okay. Like, and this isn't just a sales pitch, right? Because you sell records. Like there's a, I I don't have a, I don't have any video game records on my label. I'd love to strike one. Um, (laughs) Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So like, uh, some of these songs 
that have been composed for video games are some of the most iconic pieces of music ever consumed. Like, like the Mario theme, like everybody knows that. Like people who don't play video games have heard that stuff, you know, like bam, 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 all these various themes. I'm careful. We don't get a copyright strike here. My yeah, friend, yeah. that was, they're, that so, was- they're so iconic that like those compositions clearly deserve to be on vinyl. Like how could they not be? There's some of the most influential and I say influential pieces of music ever written sometimes, because it's like, that was literally the soundtrack to a thing that ushered in bits of cultural revolution, like as far as like in, in entertainment. So like, yeah, having that can bring on waves of nostalgia, appreciation. There's also some like, I mean, there's some apps like, you know, Donkey Kong Country. Some of the music in that is incredible. I mean, it's like it'll be you'll go from like a really intense thing to like jazz to like stuff like that. Some of these great, you know, more Japanese centric kind of like anime beat em ups. I mean, we'll have some of the best like speed metal that you've heard. Like, you know, so, yeah, very pro, very pro. Okay, yeah, and there's there's awesome video game sort of covers too that make their way around. Those are some of my favorite ones. Heck yeah! So no, super super pro, super pro. Okay, two two more questions, and then we're gonna get into our little our fast round. Um, so first, this one's a, a little bit more on like the paranormal aspect, but there's this concept of psychometry. Have you ever heard of psychometry before? I have not. Okay, so so I I think it was an episode of Fringe, maybe. Anyways, the the analogy they did on the TV show, which was the best visual that I've ever seen for this concept, is they used a record player and they described psychometry as imagine you're in a room right now and something bad happens. And this is where like, you know, people feel like a room's haunted or like the cat won't go in that back room, you know, someone must have died back there. It's one of those things. Okay. But the concept is that if you imagine the room that you're in right now is almost got like made out of acetate. And if you just scream really loud or if you like bump something against the wall, you leave an impression. And if you were to say have some kind of room shaped stylus that could replay the room that you're in, it could play back a recording of anything that's happened in that room. Uh, right. So it's almost like you vibrating. There's like little microphones that are storing it into the. So that's the concept of psychometry and the show basically is describing this as someone is recording audio uh, without any electricity right onto like an acetate record and then plays it back through like one of those old timey, um, you know, uh, phonographs essentially. Mm-hmm. So do you believe that's possible at a scientific level, not a mystical, but like at a scientific level, do you think that someone could replay what you're saying? Based Maybe. On uh, probably not. Here's why. So to make a vinyl record, for example, the amount of, pressure that's required to like get those grooves in deep enough that you can play the stuff back properly is a lot takes a lot it's very fine-tuned the temperature there's a reason they have boilers and all this stuff it has to be this perfect ideal condition so now take out all of that technology take out all of that you know just i don't know what the right word would be just ingenuity that they've done to make that happen you're taking all that out. Now you're trying to essentially scrape the sound off the walls. <laughs> like that's, that's, uh, that sounds nice, but I'm trying think to find carpet shake. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't sound plausible to me. 
Man, I sound okay. like I'm just dunking on everything. I'm like, yeah, give me another one. I'll just dunk on it. No problem. That's it. So let's knock them out. Well, here, here's one that, that you can definitely dunk on if you want. I'm, I'm curious. AI music is just like starting to come out of nowhere. Like it, it went from, oh, I can kind of make that out to like, wait, this is AI. And uh, yeah, do you have any just immediate thoughts? Do you think it has a place, doesn't have a place? Is it a threat? Is it a bonus? Um, I think it's a threat because it will continue to evolve and it's going to get so good at some point. They're like, look, this song's a banger. I don't care that a robot made it. I love this song. Uh, which that inherently, that's a danger. Um, yeah. And then like things, you know, like a lot of famous artists, you know, I mean, their voice is already so available that it's easier for AI to mimic it. Um, just look at your intro. And imagine where you're at, you know, in five to 10 years from now, what that's going to be. Um, because we know that AI is learning at a much faster pace. Like I don't know what implications you're making. I had Robert Stack and Donald Trump uh, officially read those lines for me. Don't Makes make sense, insinuations yeah. here. You can't back up, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those would be my initial, you know, thoughts. Um, yeah. You know, how how do you see it as a as a threat? I mean, I understand how it's seen as a threat. I see but it how as do you a threat, threat as to like real artists and humans creating real art that has emotion baked into it, and as the lyrics are coming from their story, from personal experiences, all that stuff. And uh, if you don't have that, um, I think you're you know going to be in a bad spot. So that'd if, be my if, thought. If can we destruct the or deconstruct this a little bit? So like. Sure. What about auto-tune? How do you feel about auto-tune? Uh, it's just a... I don't really have a problem with it. Like, it's a okay. tool. It's a tool. And some people have taken that tool, like T-Pain. T-Pain took that tool and just put it on its head. And he's like, hey, this is now like an, like an effect. It's like akin to a, a guitar effect. I'm just going to slam it on my voice because I think it sounds cool. And uh, no, I don't... I don't think somebody who uses a little auto tune on their voice for a second is therefore fake or whatever. Cause a little, there's a difference between a little and a lot, you know, like somebody like, and you can tell when they perform live. Also, there's other factors that happen live. Okay. Things like in-ear technology, you know, that's a lot newer. That's the last like 10 years, I think, or something maybe. And it's still even in the last five, it's becoming more mainstream for a lot of bigger artists to have. Um, so it's like, you know, when you're just if guys who are playing in arenas, it's really hard to tell what the heck do I sound like? That's what that's why they're always going like this. They're like trying to hear the in, you know, the in brain voice. Like, what do I sound like? So, you know, I don't lose too much sleep over that. Like, uh, yeah, I think it's just a tool. It's just a tool. And when it's used poorly, you know it, you hear it. And you're like, oh, that sucks. That sounds stupid. You know, so. Well, and that's a good point because you're saying there's such thing as, you know, a little and a lot. And I guess that's where like I hyper focus on finding where that line is. And it's sometimes it's it's a fruitless endeavor because it's like you can always have something, you know, for infinity and you'll never get to this true midpoint because you can keep having it over and over and over again. Um, right. But like, are you familiar with MIDI? I assume so because you work yeah, in yeah. Like, music and stuff. So let's say you've got a plug in that you, you play the chord. And then it uses 
AI or algorithm to then like suggest the baseline or suggest the melody based on the notes you played? Is are we at the line yet of where AI is like taking the soul out? Um, not sure. I mean, that might just be a tool. Like, especially if you're a solo artist, like you're just pr- self-producing all this stuff. Like, Chaggy. So we we treat music very differently than we do other things. It's more precious. Um, I think to a lot of people and maybe for good reason. But like, if I told you like, Hey man, I need you to go make a podcast intro for your podcast. Uh, and go into chat GPT and put in podcast intro for uh conspiratorial deep dives on American history and economics. Uh, give me a one minute show intro with, you know, sarcastic tie-ins and give give me 20 results. You would happily probably take that and then parse the best bits of it, make your and make your own thing and you're like, "All right, cool." And I think that's no different than what you're provo- pro- uh, proposing with a MIDI. Um, but the, it could also be a false of equivalence, but like I think we give certain things more credence like, "Oh, of course." But like people use ChatGPT like it's, hey, "Of course, no big deal." But if it even touched music sometimes like I think it could just be a tool. It could be used as a, a suggestion, you know, it could help give you ideas or like, Oh, I wouldn't have thought of that. That's cool. And then I think the best example I can give that makes that maybe not as I'm just curious where it goes. We all listen to music bands, all right stuff. They're all inspired by somebody. That's cool. I'm going to put that thing in my type of song. But when another person does it and, almost always comes out different in the wash, you know, um, unless, unless you're Greta Van Vliet. <laughs> <laughs> and this is I, a don't very... hate, I don't hate Greta Van Vliet. I'm sure they're nice people. And I, that was just, that was a, that was a, get ready. Favorite. Cause this is actually, after this is, is the fan club meeting. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, I think that they do a lot of good stuff. It's just that uh, their first single was pretty on the nose, but otherwise, you know, <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. Fine people. They're kids. They're kids, man. So, so th- this echoes a lot of the same points that get made in the art world too about people generating, you know, paintings and illustrations and stuff, uh, which is something in you know very close and dear to me because I've been publishing comics for the last ten years and I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of artists and it's a it's across the board a little mix, but I mean if I had to just throw numbers at it, I'd say like ninety percent of artists are very anti AI. Uh, it's taken all the gerbs, um, you know what I mean? The same. And th- there's this interesting dynamic about this one because I don't, th- for the longest time, even when I was growing up, everyone had this this con- preconceived notion that well, AI is going to do the analytical stuff. It's going to do all of the, like, the left brain stuff, all the number crunching and all of that like non-creative business. And yeah. anyone that works in the right brain space is kind of immune from like this, this, you know, second coming of, of technology. And then sure enough, as soon as AI starts coming on board, the first thing it does is it's like, I'm going to do art and music. Um, yeah. yeah. And it, and I feel like it took a lot of people by a big surprise and also like feeling like you were going to go from untouched to being at the front line um, has put a lot of people on edge. So yeah, there's, no, and I think a lot of, of those fears are super fair and valid. Um, like digital art, like guys who are crazy proficient and using and manipulating Photoshop, you know, there's real danger that like AI could like totally elbow out a lot of those people, you know, because it can just generate, 
basically what you wanted to do, potentially give you 10 to 20 options in a matter of seconds. You know, I farted around with mid journey uh, quite a bit, probably about a year ago, because it was fascinating. It was just crazy what you could come up with um, and just what it would spit out. I mean, it was just like, no way. This is crazy. Um, I could see, I already know the answer. I think a lot of this AI stuff could be used as a tool. It could help give you some inspiration. It could help lead you down a path. Uh, it could, you know, just be an extra soundboard uh, if used properly. But we all know, like, you give a mouse a cookie, you know, give a robot a cookie. Uh, people are going to just use it to the nth degree. You know, I remember as soon as Mid Journey was really starting to get moving, there are guys making, like, hey, I make children's books. I'm making children's books with Mid Journey. And they're like, isn't this great? And then, like, it only took two weeks for the internet cultural zeitgeist to be like, no, this is awful. Like, you know, what are you doing? And uh, yeah, so I mean, I think it's a real danger for sure. Uh, you know what happens is people just lie now. They just they just make up a pseudonym and say, "Oh, this this guy did it," and they don't say it's AI, but it's still AI well, there's, in a lot there's, of those there's, cases. We're still at a point where we, I think, most people can tell, like we know there's telltale signs. Like so, in Mid Journey for a while, uh, it couldn't just it couldn't do freaking hands. Yeah, the, fi- the, always, the fingers you you have like <laughs> seven. <laughs> yeah, be too many fingers. Uh, that's gone you know. now, though, man. That stuff is. I know, like, yeah, I know, a- I know, but like you know. <laughs> I love AI for memes. That's where, that's why, that's why, that's where I want AI to be is memes. I can't get enough, you know, like, uh, you know, Professor Snape playing at a huge concert and then hearing, you know, Alice Cooper poison. And I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Like this, this is so great. Give me this content. This is what this know, technology like, was made for. Yeah, clearly, was yeah, of course. Yeah, making, like you yeah, know, this is this is workout versions need. of Harry Potter where they're all getting like yeah, ripped. Of course, yeah, man, dude, <laughs> love that. the The boy who the boy who lifted. All right, like, yeah, that, that's. I need all that AI I can get. Put that in my put that in my veins. That's amazing. Uh, that stuff cracks me up. But uh, yeah, I think human expression can only be replaceable to a point. That's that's my optimistic hope is that human expression can only be recreated to a point. So and there's always going to be unique voices that haven't existed before and they're going to grab you and are going to speak to you in a real way. So. All right. Well, we got the juices flowing. We're just going to cut right into this next segment. Perfect time. Hey, conspiracy buffs. I double dare you to take some PCP, the paranormal conspiracy probe on your marks, get set and go. Chris, are you a cop? Because if you're a cop, you have to tell me right now. I know the law. <laughs> I am not. And my name is not Johnny. If you were, would you tell me or would you lie about it? I'd say I was a cop. Yeah. Okay. All right. Look, we need what? we need we need good cops to be out there and be representative and be be public, you know, to uh to hopefully turn the tides of time, but who knows. Okay, well that that out of the way, and you've you're on on record now, sir, that you said you were not a police officer. Chris, so anything we do cop, after Amanda. this, yeah. you're not allowed to do anything to me. And any any cops out there watching what we do next, you're not you're not allowed to do anything about it. You have to turn the TV off. So the the rules are really easy. Just give me a one to 10 rating on how valid you think a topic is. So we'll start out with Bigfoot one to 10. How real is Bigfoot? Uh, like one, one real aliens. How about little gray men aliens? 
I'll go seven. I'll go seven because like our, our, this is one of my most fascinating thoughts, I guess, for me. Uh, I don't know how, does this, is that all you need? Just seven and then we're gone or can I get, we can, we can keep going. Yeah. No, explain all it. All right. So I'll say this. Uh, we live in a world where everyone, I think on some level is trying to figure out why they're here, what our origin is, what our creation is, uh, all that stuff. And the idea of space to me is so wild and we have theories on space, but there's still so much of them are so untested because they can't, we don't have the technology to test them yet. So the idea um, that there isn't another species within a galaxy that we, to our best of our knowledge, believe is ever expanding, ever growing, that the situations, you know, what we deem is like, well, this planet, you know, is not designed to sustain life. It's like sustain life under our preconceived conditions of what, you know, would allow a organism to live and thrive and survive, you know, it could be different uh, somewhere else, depending on how, you know, what we think of how evolution and how organisms adapt and stuff like that. So it would just adapt to its new technology. So, or not new tech, new environment. So yeah, I think the idea of aliens being real can be, could be definitely plausible. And I don't know, there's a lot of smoke. Just a lot of people seem to be focused on the gray, you know, for whatever reason. So I'd be more likely to give that credence than something definitely way more than Bigfoot for sure. One thing that aliens have come to earth in the last hundred years. Mm. That's tough. That's tough. I would just say a five, just a coin toss. Like I'm like, I don't know. Maybe does that number go up? If I, if I say thousands of 10,000 years, ancient Egypt, does that go to up to a six? I still keep it a five. Um, you know, some of the ancient Egypt stuff is kind of fascinating to think about, but like, uh, um yeah i'll still go with the five i'll still go with the five you know you know we've got all kinds of mythology around dragons and things like that and uh you know it is fascinating to think about you know for real uh i'll still go with the five um because it sure seems like in the sums of mostly recorded human history this idea of the gray or something like that hasn't been very evident if it is it's very like circumstantial uh, whereas I think it would be like, in the course, at least of human history, there would be like a, something a little more concrete instead of like the spooky, you know, it's like, oh, they're, these are the shiftiest people ever. Like they just always have somewhere to hide and somewhere to be. And they're so fast. And like, you know, for all we know, aliens could be dumb. They could be dumber than us, you know, <laughs> have some, have some pride, feel good about yourself. All right. They might be dumb. All right. Could be the other America. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, right. It's not only the the greatest country on Earth; it's the greatest country in the universe. And if you're an alien from another planet, you're probably dumber than us. Yeah, yeah get, wrecked. get wrecked. <laughs> get wrecked. Right? Get wrecked, noobs. <laughs> what about Atlantis? Zero to ten. Uh, I'll give that an eight, but not Atlantis proper. Okay, not that Atlantis existed. I would oh, say you're gonna get all metaphorical and poetic on us. Yeah, here? yeah, that, well, the theory of a yeah, the theory of a a lost civilization that was covered with water, that that makes sense. That's super plausible. Like, I don't think that's everything we know about tectonic plates and like how the you know Earth moves and like the thoughts of Pangea and all this stuff would would dictate therefore that like yeah, bodies of land. Uh, could fall into the sea given like cataclysmic, you know, natural disasters and stuff. So yeah, the idea 
of a lost civilization that was lost to water. Yes, probably 10 out of 10 on that. The idea well, that a, a caveat that Atlantis is usually credited with having superior technology. Technology, of course, today. of course, everything, everything in the past had to be smarter. That's one of my favorite new age science things. Phenomenons is like, you got to live like our ancestors, man. I'm like, yeah, everybody had <laughs> rickets and died at the ripe age of 38, man. Yeah. Tight. Cool. Um, you know, I'm not saying that like processed foods aren't bad and, you know, you shouldn't be slamming chicken nuggets every day of your life. But there's also like, uh, you know, the the unification between, uh, I don't know, like anti-vaxxers and, uh, you know, homeschool crystal moms is a, it's a fascinating one to me. So. <laughs> the, the, this is going to sound like a, a total tangent, but this one comes up and it's the first thing I think of when someone brings up the, the chicken nuggets. And I know you're talking about like pink slime McDonald's chicken nuggets. Shout out. McDonald's is one of our sponsors. We love your pink slime. But um, they have the I always worst wonder. Nuggets. They've had the worst nuggets for like forever. Easy. You're talking about our sponsor now, Chris. I don't know. I'm not talking about so your I'm not speaking out against all of the, the blood factories that you're in league with. But but seriously, everyone always credits the Native Americans with using the whole buffalo and how you know ethical that was. Isn't creating pink slime chicken nuggets just the American version of eating the whole buffalo? Like mm. you're grinding up all that grizzle and the beaks and the that's, little flaps. A, and Yeah, that's a fair question. You know, you need those hooves. All right. Like America loves hot dogs, you know, so, I, you know. Uh, is that I mean, not just we're eating the whole buffalo? I don't know. Yeah, you might be right. You might just be onto something there. there. You know, yeah, well, maybe you got the been looking at the arches all wrong. You know, all these years. How about Hollow Earth? Have you heard, heard about Hollow Earth? Yeah, I know all this stuff, man. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a <laughs> I'm an active churchgoer, uh, which therefore means I know <laughs> I know some people who are probably more susceptible to some of this insanity, which makes me sad. Uh, yeah. Uh, is that a zero? (laughs) Is that a zero? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're like so. No, yeah. Hollow Earth zero, zero out of zero. And can we can we apply that to flat Earth as well? Yeah, yeah. There's look. There's no. That's that's the next record I need to make. I need to fill it with monatomic gold. All right, that's what I need to do. Well, Um, you could just put you could just put the Arctic wall around the edge of the record, and people would use that as proof. Yeah, even even vinyl makers know about the ice wall, so it's got to be. There was a record that was made out of ice like ten years ago. Like they just etched you know grooves into ice and stuff. Obviously, it would only last so long. Um, But yeah, that would be fun. I like if I had the right conspiratorial band, like. you know, like as far as like they're just dunking on it, I would happily make an ice wall record. <laughs> what if it was? What if it was a pro ice wall record and it was trying to spread the? No, is that a? No, I'm not no? making that. No, I'm not <laughs> making that. No way. No way. Um, and you brought this this up. I won't go into too much into it, but I've I also have seen an overlap between very religious minded people in flat Earth, not. This isn't like a square is a rectangle kind of a situation, but there's yeah. definitely overlap. And I think part of that is because the flat earth puts the earth back at the center of everything um, instead of the sun. And now it's like, you know, something put us here. It was designed. Uh, it's unexplainable. And and it just it seems to go hand in hand with some of the, that, you know, religious thinking. I think all world anyone who practices a, a world religion, obviously, that takes some level of faith to, you know, to be a part of that religion or believe in its tenets. Um, 
So I think you therefore may be more open to believing other things you may not be able to understand or explain, um, stuff like that. Um, but part of maybe more Western religions that I'm seeing, which makes me sad as someone who is a churchgoer, uh, there's just been a, there's a, uh, maybe not victim complex, persecution complex for a lot of people that just are living normal lives, but maybe parts of their lives aren't where they wanted them to be. And everybody, there's always some secret society, some secret cabal that's out to get the world and get them and exercise all this control. And it's like, hey, man, you're 60 years old. When has any of this happened to you? What effect has it had? And you just got to take stock of your own life. And, uh, you know, so I think the tie-in is, I can understand why maybe it happens. If, if not more, it just is almost sad to me that it's more pervasive uh, because I think a lot of like things like QAnon, you know, a lot of those are our show sponsors too. tread carefully. (laughs) I think they got led into it because, you know, they're worried about child sex trafficking and it preys upon, which is a real thing. It does happen. And it's super sad, but like it, and then if you're willing to believe an entry point, whether no matter how crazy their view of how it happens is, you're probably willing to take on the next thing. And then at some point you're at three years into whatever, you know, Q or whatever you believe in. And it, it would take so much. You're too, it's the, the double down method. You're too deep. You're too deep to say like, man, I'm wrong. This is so stupid. I got to get out. Like it's really hard for anybody to do that in life. And uh, so as much as I want to dunk on every, you know, Q person out there, if you know one, if you know a cure, Try to give them some grace in the hopes that, uh, you know, they can get their way out and, uh, I don't know, get their mind right, man. So they're lighting you up in the comments right now, bro. This is actually getting pretty. And in- no, I'm just kidding. This is pre recorded. There's no, <laughs> there's no comments. <laughs> uh, last one, one to 10 demons, like a literal demon that you can summon. Though that you can summon, I would say zero on the summon factor for sure. Okay. Let's, but- let's take the summon back out. Like are you a sorcerer? <laughs> well, or or King Solomon that that conjured what he called daemons that did you know sort of like specific tasks for him. Yeah, yeah, man, maybe maybe a two, maybe a two or three. Like I, I believe I would like to think there's there is some sort of spiritual element. I think in the fabric of the world, I don't know. Like, uh, but the idea of like conjuring demons, you know, like uh, I mean. And we got the Doom Slayer for that, you know, like uh, we got we, we got the guy, we bust him out. At least that's what the, the Doom Cannon teaches me. We bust him out when we need him or whatever, the Doom Marine. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like, so, you know, g- girls who, I don't say girls, just people are like, I lean kind of witchy, but I also don't believe in any organized religion. And I'm like, all right. So there's male witches. They're not warlocks. I know, yeah, they're, they're I, I don't witches. know. Yeah, so I'm, like, I'm like, all right. So you're like, uh, so you're like a. A, a low grade sorcerer, <laughs> you know. I'm like, all right, cool, and that's fine. Sure, sure. I believe a warlock is technically a sorcerer that has done something egregious and gotten like kicked oh. out of the sorcerer's club. I don't know the full rules, but I'm sure there well, are rules. You're, when you're a little too hardcore, yeah, they can't, <laughs> yeah. They can't even control you in there. They're like, dang, dude, this guy's too wild for us. That was like uh, Lemmy. That was like Lemmy and uh, Hawkwind. They're like, dude, this right, guy's he was he was the warlock. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like, yeah, we got it. And so he's like, I'm gonna make Motorhead, man. You guys are lame. Yeah. L- last question here. This isn't a one to ten, um, but but on the 
leading off of like, let's say we give demons a two, that there might be some ethereal abstract concept. What do you think there's the chance? Again, you don't have to rate it, but what do you, what's the chance that like music interacts with that? Could you put on, you know, Marilyn Manson, uh, like all of his albums back to back and then play all the Ozzy albums. Like, is that pleasing or attracting demons? Do you think there's any intersection in those worlds at all? Do you think they'd be attracted to new kids on the block? Yeah. Well, that's the point. So like who, <laughs> who's to say that's what a demon would like. All right. We think because something is drop tuned and sounds what our perception of spooky is that therefore a demon might like it. All right. Marilyn Manson, uh, you know, shocking uh has all these sexual assault charges against him like does not appear to be a well-adjusted guy i can't believe it and i got you know all these people told us like look how well-read and spoken he is it turns out he's just a giant piece of crap well, he was paul in uh, the wonder years did you know that that's crazy <laughs> yeah yeah so he must be a good guy this guy seems so well-adjusted it's just shock value uh no he just turned out to be he was kevin arnold's guy. best friend are you saying kevin arnold's best friend yeah. is a bad guy he didn't know um that now that's fair um but yeah, it's just like, uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, because then taste would change. All right. Like our perception of that is only within like recorded music. It's like, what, like 150 years old. So, uh, you know, was before that, I was like, oh man, sick, sick loot riff, buddy. You really shredded on that loot today. That brought me out, you know, like, uh, so, uh, if that was a zero out of 10, zero. I think they're drop tune in the harpsichord and just playing yeah, D over yeah. and over. Demons <laughs> might like avant-garde jazz for all we know. It, like, do you oh, think finally. that there's a coincidence that that so much rock is played in drop D tuning and D starts with D min? I mean, that's I mean, that's I like, don't know if that's, anyone's connecting like, those dots. That's like numerology with letters, whatever letterology is. It's gama- you know? it's gematria, sir. I'll have you know. <laughs> Thanks, great. So you're up on it. I didn't know. <laughs> oh my goodness all right well we'll maybe we'll see how this does maybe we'll do a part two where we truly expose uh all the horrible doings on of romanist records mm. um that he had to hide all the vials of blood before we started folks just want to let sure. you know it, sure. i got him on tape we'll, we'll show you that and the uh the patreon only exclusive oh. it'll be 200 dollars access but it is guaranteed to ruin romanist uh, records just their uh, reputation across the industry. So uh, I appreciate you yeah, coming on here. It was a total gotcha situation. No, no, seriously. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Chris. And uh, I love, I love all the records that you're putting out. Is there any like major release that people should sign up for the Coliseum VIP now? Yeah, to get a chance at. Yeah, there's one that comes out tomorrow, and today is well, this, December seventh. So I don't know so when the, this is going to. Patreons maybe, but yeah, is there anything coming out like late December, early January? Yeah, well, this will be the one I, regardless, I'd be like, yeah, if you want to put this on the show intro, knock yourself out. Calvin Louise, Over the Threshold, um, putting their record out right now. Their song called Third Class Citizen is just brutal. It's awesome. Um, I love this band. They are playing Download Festival. They uh, are an Amazon music artist. They got thrown a bunch of money from Amazon. They like are on all these Spotify playlists. They're playing all these massive festivals. They played reading already. Uh, and they're still like super, you know, on the DIY hustle. Uh, so I'm absolutely blown away by this band. So that would be someone I would for sure look into. So, uh, yeah, that would be, I'd be watching that. And then somewhere in January, February, I should have a, a holographic record coming out for romanusrecords.com. Otherwise, follow Romanus Custom Vinyl Manufacturing on Instagram, which is uh, stuff we do for other people. 
uh, for bands that if I'm, if it's not pre-ordered, they'll like, Hey, this is live. If you follow that sometimes, you know, like I think there's still a couple of Sandfield records I made for MXPX for sale or, you know, things like the Motley Crue record. Like you would know they're like, Hey, that's available. That's coming out, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. Just to head it off at the past, there's someone out there that's like, oh, my band totally wants a blood-filled record or a sand-filled record. Like, do you have just like the uh, like a MOQ, like a minimum order quantity that someone would have to to get and you were to play in this space? Typically, I think 25. So I'm not asking you to like, yo, it's got to be 200. No, like 25. So I'm down to do art, man. Not everything I do is for Motley Crue level bands, man. I'm happy to help you know, a smaller band too. Cause that's what's happening on my label. Those are the bands I'm helping. So yeah. Sweet. Well, I'll, in the comments again, any AI artists that are writing songs about flat earth and QAnon, uh, you heard it here. Chris is willing for free to do your initial release of 25. <laughs> He's laughing, which means I'm right. Okay. Thanks Look, everybody. I said, no, I just... said no ice walls earlier. Right? I said no ice walls unless it's uh, anti ice. All right. Made my ice right. wall stance very clear. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you again, Chris. And this was an awesome conversation. Uh, I hope you had a good time. I hope I didn't scare did. you off too yeah. much. Uh, uh, and yeah, uh, I hope to be, I hope to post one of my, my newly acquired Romanus record purchases. Once I wake up on time or join the VIP and get the 24 hour special access tomorrow, tomorrow, 3 PM Eastern, the one, this, this throne holographic one, that's the one you want. I'm telling you, you can get there. You can make it happen. I'm in. And since we're promoting products here, I'll end us on a commercial for the new comic that that we just wrapped up with Sam Tripoli. It sold over a thousand pre-orders, which is huge for an indie publisher like me. Uh, It it raised over 30 grand and it's going to end up resulting in some animation, maybe. So here's a commercial chaos twins. Grab a copy. Dive into a realm where comedy meets cosmic adventure. Chaos Twins, created by comedian Sam Tripoli and comic publisher Paranoid American, will sweep you off your feet. Join two girls with the astonishing ability to morph into animals, rally with their cryptid crew, and traverse diverse dimensions. But you don't have to take my word for it. Sign up now at chaostwins.com. In a place as curious as Crown City, adventure awaits at every turn. Meet Anna and Becca, two spirited souls navigating a world filled with wonders and weirdness. Alongside their trusted allies, Biggie, Mathilda, and the Chupacabros, they'll stand against aliens, reptilians, and mysteries beyond imagination. Dive into their captivating tales and discover a world where anything is possible. For more information, visit chaostwins.com, samtripoli.com, and paranoidamerican.com. 